Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Halima. <laughs> Hi, Ioni. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni, the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester Online, in print and everywhere else. And I'm Halima, the community editor of Polyester Scene and the co-host of the Polyester Podcast. So this week we have a very special Sleepover Club episode where we talk to our friends. Well, MJ's my friend now. MJ's my friend now. About all the conversations you have at Sleepover and as you may have cottoned on, we are joined by MJ from Kardashian Colloquium today. So here she is. Hi, MJ. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to be with you. Oh, we are so excited to have you. Obviously, most people who are familiar with polyester will be familiar with your work. But would you like to introduce yourself just in case? Yes, my name is MJ Corey, and I'm the author of Kardashian Colloquium, which is a social media presence right now on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm newly on Twitter. I'm learning Twitter. And I sometimes satirically, but more and more often seriously intellectualize the Kardashian family, most often through like a classical media theory lens or um, a postmodern lens. Those are Mm -hmm. the most interesting ways to look at them for me. How are you finding Twitter? Twitter is very snappy and and quick and I'm very verbose and indulgent <laughs> the way yeah. I think. So I'm used I'm I was on Twitter many years ago and I was definitely got myself in the mindset of like, oh, I'm thinking in tweets now. And so then I kind of deprogrammed that and now I'm back on and it's starting to happen, which I guess is good for success on Twitter, like thinking in mm-hmm. tweets. So I'm getting there, but it's it's been an adjustment. Right. Yeah. I have this like weird relationship with Twitter where I never ever tweet. But then at least five times a day, I'll be like to people, I read this tweet. And I always do this, do that on the podcast. And it's so annoying for everyone else <laughs> in the world. Um, so I'm interested in, yeah, kind of how you got started and why the Kardashians. Yeah. So I was one of those people that was like, uh, reality TV, not for me. I always say like, I kind of thought it was like not healthy for the brain, you know, which is now I feel kind of a silly stigma. And I think actually reality TV is incredibly reflective of culture today, but we'll get to that. Basically, I I was one of those people that abstained. And then I was a fan of Kanye. I viewed him as a genius and a visionary. And I would see the Kardashians around. I didn't have a strong opinion of them the way a lot of people did, even back in like 2007. It was kind of like, okay, so they're like up and coming reality type people. I, I just, I'm not that interested. But when Kim and Kanye got together, I was intrigued. So Kanye was kind of like the focal point for me of, of, of interest. 
I still didn't watch a show many years later, 2018. And I did enjoy what I saw of them through the years, though, through their courtship, through their marriage. Then a friend put on Keeping Up with the Kardashians just while she was like packing up, she was moving, and we sat and watched the show. I just was sitting with her for togetherness time to spend time with my roommate and friend. And I was really struck by what I saw. I was, it was the Bora Bora episode and it was Kim and Rob fighting um, on this resort about how Kim was acting like a diva. And then Rob said, mom raised you better than that. Dad raised you better than that. And this whole episode, I'd been kind of picking up on, it was already intriguing to me, just the structure of a re- reality show. Like, oh, wow, this felt really staged. This was edited pretty well. Wow, what a narrative this is. But then in this fight, I felt like I saw this like, real shame on Kim's mm. face when he brought up the, their dad. And I remember turning to my friend and being like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Like this is all so structured and plastic, but then this is so, that felt really real. And she was like, dude, that's what I've been trying to tell you. So I was intrigued with how that made me feel the strange balance of real and stage. I told my sister about it. She was a film studies major and she said, oh, you got to read Jean Baudrillard. And so I did. And then that just turned into a spiral of of reading philosophy and media theory and trying not to sound pretentious about it, but being really excited about it and applying it specifically to the Kardashians. And they're the best when you said why Kardashians, they're the best prism because they are the most powerful Mm -hmm. and they're the most entrenched culturally and they have become a cultural fractal. Um, So when I talk about the Kardashians, it's about them. They're a grounding thing, but really it's a way in to talk about these bigger ideas of how um, media and society is structured period. And so at this point I I really view them as concepts and as um, utility. (laughs) Right, (laughs) exactly. And I was thinking about this before we came on with you, because I know you've had some like trouble with TikTok as a platform Mm. recently of getting Mm -hmm. like banned. That actually happened to us like a week when we first launched our TikTok as well. It's like the first Mm. video we posted, they were like, goodbye no you are not welcome here and then we have the same thing as you like this weird bad like three week ban or something and then they let us back on but I think it's interesting because you kind of like exist at the intersection currently of these two things in culture that people really love to shit on which is the Kardashians Mm. and using social media as a vehicle to get ideas out and I'm interested in like your experience of that and because I know you've been speaking online about how it's kind of been tough recently yeah thanks for asking about that I would love to talk about that I need to sit down and like ponder so that I can make meaning of this experience and make it interesting for people to really like look at the patterns that I've noticed. So I'm going to speak roughly like off Mm -hmm. the bat here. Through this journey, I've noticed white male academics really gatekeeping. Like I had one guy that I was trying to network with because I do want to get in with like the academics a little bit. Mm -hmm. I want to bridge just as the Kardashians and Kanye do. I want to bridge different worlds and and make this stuff accessible in different ways for different people. So there's been, okay, two kinds of dudes. Um, an academic that once was like, oh, you should take my intro course in oh. this media theorist <laughs> that I'd been studying like over the past few years. I won't say who because it's going to, then you guys might be able to, people might be able to piece together what institute he was representing. But yeah, this guy that was kind of like, you might enjoy my intro course, that, things like that. Um, someone was like, oh, what does this meme mean exactly? Do you know what it means about a Baudrillard meme that I made? And it's like, honestly, I feel really well-versed in Baudrillard right now, but I'm also willing to be humble and say Baudrillard's tough. French theory is tough. It's annoyingly tough. And that's part of the problem. It's being too gatekept. And and I I mean, didn't Noam Chomsky even say he doesn't know what the French theorists are saying. So whatever. I think annoying energy like that, 
there's also like these kind of intellectual meme accounts that I wanted to network with for the sake of the account. I wanted some of their audiences. So like there's one called Disturbing Zone. They have good memes, funny mm-hmm. intellect- intellectual memes. And they would always do these Baudrillard memes. It always comes back down to Baudrillard, I guess. And I would comment silly things sometimes to kind of just draw it. So like the joke on Kardashian Colloquium is that Baudrillard is daddy. Right. So sometimes I would comment no man is my daddy i'm gay but like i would comment like <laughs> i would comment under baudrillard pictures daddy or like whatever and they removed me from following and i wasn't ever trying to troll them i, I was truly trying to be like look like i'm a silly like kardashian yeah. accountant but so things like that oh a recent one oh i won't even get into it. i had another recent thing kind of like this with a place i was trying to network with and they were like we don't engage with kardashian content or meme accounts and that's not what i do so mm. Annoying energy from gatekeepy type of dudes. Then there's people that stumble on and don't quite understand what I'm doing. And they are very like angry that they think I'm a fan account. They hate the right. Kardashians. And so they, they kind of want to stick it to Kim. So they stick it to me. Mm. And I'm, I've got a thick skin for that one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get that it's social media. It's quick. They see a Kardashian account and they're mad. And, and I kind of am like, whatever. That's just the internet. And then the media has been tough to get into and this has been this is why i was kind of saying i might need to sit and contemplate it more before i have uh, develop a theory about it but there's been a lot of ladies in media that have been super um harsh and Mm. they do see and understand what i'm doing and they kind of mock that i'm intellectualizing the kardashians and i'd really try not to be pretentious about it i try to be earnest and just intellectually curious and i know that i that's true for me so i know it comes through or i hope it does but I try to, I'm trying to write. I'm a writer. That's why I started this too. It's like a way, it's an avenue to get my writing out there and to start really thinking more. And um, I want to pitch places and I've been pitching places. And what I have seen is a lot of editors of places follow me, but don't accept my pitches when I finally come to pitch. And then I'll see my influence in my work and some of the pieces, especially in the writers that follow me. And one writer, as we know, um, like, kind of made fun of me in a very poorly concealed shot she took at me in a very big piece for a very big place and this is a writer that I remember when she followed me I was so excited that like a big writer at a big place followed me I thought it was a possibility for a connection and I followed her back and I was I was excited that day and then you know a few months later she made fun of me in my nails Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like it was actually hurtful and um I tried to kind of pivot it and be like hey um glad you're noticing my work. This was kind of hurtful. I've been trying to break into writing for a long time and 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 it kind of sucks that this happened, but yeah. I could write something about she called me a, a social media pseudo academic. Mm-hmm. I said I could write something about social media pseudo academics. There's some amazing pseudo academics out there, not pseudo academics, real academics using yeah. social media. There's um, Broey Deschanel on YouTube who I haven't actually watched I I I need to consume more of more content period. Um, I'm so busy making my own. I don't consume a lot of content, but I've seen parts of her video essays and they're really good. There's ideal black female who does, um, she calls herself a critical caption essayist. There's interesting people doing interesting academic work online. So maybe I could profile them and like show the value of this work. 
and it was crickets. Like I tried different editors at that magazine. Everyone mm-hmm. ignored it. So it's just a lot of doors in my face and it's kind of getting tiring. Um, right. And that's my that's my sob story. <laughs> I want to say also, congratulations yes. on the paper magazine piece because that oh, was amazing. Oh, thank you. It was thank you. Amazing. I think it's very interesting though because I was trying to think about, like I was just thinking about this before we recorded, obviously. And it's like kind of just like history repeating itself in so many ways in yes. that like with like the blogger and Instagram era of this thing happening. Like, for example, I so remembering this happening to obviously Tavi and Susie Bubble and those kind of fashion mm bloggers that were then trying to like well they weren't even trying but being invited to the fashion shows and being taken seriously it was the journalists that like really shot on them and tried to yeah. like delegitimize them so wow. it's interesting that now with like tiktok and a kind of new platform obviously i know you're across instagram as well but kind of like a yeah. new wave of these people it's just happening again <laughs> like journalists yes. trying to gatekeep like we haven't learned anything Yeah. No. Okay. Well, first of all, yes. And Halima, thank you for saying that. The paper thing felt amazing. That was like my first big piece. I cried on a TikTok live when I, when I, because they, I, they didn't, it was, came on sooner than they were planning to post it. They were going to post it on Monday. And then I just checked and it was there and it was amazing. But that was exciting. It was the first and so far only. And then to your point, yeah, I didn't think about that with Tavi. And it is, I can imagine, I didn't know that that was happening so much gatekeeping now that I'm seeing how like, um, like, elitist media is I can see how that would happen one one thing that I'm going to kind of frame it and probably compare it to once I have a more developed theory about all of it is Kim Kardashian herself like I have Mm. no attachment to these Kim and these figures at this point as people I don't engage with them at face value that way but I am kind of like okay Kim kept pushing and like they didn't want to let her in and I guess I just will take a note from that book that I study of theirs and and just kind of keep at it and try to stay gracious like 10 years ago, five years ago, I'm just, I'm just chaotic enough that I would have done some weird social media shit and yeah. like <laughs> called people out, but I'm like, I got to stay gracious. And that actually is the influence of the Kardashians. I will say just trying to be calm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so, it definitely, cause I think like when that was happening to Tavi and stuff, it was really well documented, but then she didn't speak on it for a long time afterwards. And I think that made like mm. a whole different group of people aware it was happening because like, I remember being a fan of Tavi, but not really engaging on the level with those like old school fashion journalists. And then mm-hmm. suddenly being like, oh, so like whoever, like I, I think it was Sarah Moa, but I don't know. So don't sue me, Sarah Moa said like something mm-hmm. really nasty about Tavi. And she mm-hmm. spoke about it years later and it was really interesting. But again, I think it's just like, it's funny because like everyone's obviously obsessed with social media and try is trying to utilize it so much for their businesses if you are a big publication and like closing mm-hmm. print like this week we've heard that like entertainment weekly yes. is closing print and like in style well, is closing yeah. print mm-hmm. yeah but we won't embrace online creators that in the same way it's so interesting also i think as well like a lot bell hooks did very similar criticism of this culture and, and but i always think that a lot of bell hooks work like that never gets as much light Yes. as some of her other feminist works. I mean, I think that they are kind of all connected. Totally agree with you. I've actually wondered before, why isn't that a bigger part of Bell Hooks' legacy, especially right? because of where we are now with pop culture? Because maybe media doesn't want to admit it, but like we're all exploring pop culture and there's a pleasure in that in an analytical way. And Bell Hooks is such a pioneer in that. And then I didn't see a lot of people talking about that 
when when she passed recently i'm actually looking right now and it's so funny you bring this up at outlaw culture her <laughs> like premiere book where she kind of asserts this idea about representation and what it all means so so yes um totally agree and Actually, I had my first one of my first and only accolades given to me by a straight white man on TikTok. Some guy like stitched me and I was like, wow, this actually I think might be one of the first times besides the man that I interviewed for the video essay. He was also really amazing and supportive. But this random dude was like, this is so cool that someone's intellectualizing the Kardashians like Zizek has been doing this forever and like everyone loves him for it. And you know what's an interesting point, Halima, that you're making is Zizek, who's like a white male philosopher, his whole thing is integrating pop culture into his work. And that's one of his like, that's what he's known for. So I'm mm-hmm. one, I'm curious if there's anything we can kind of read about the fact that Bell Hooks, that wasn't included really as much in her legacy, at least not yet. She just passed, but everyone's like, it's so cool how Zizek does that. I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just making that connection right now. It's definitely a feminized thing. Yes. Like, it's fully a femphobic, like, kind yeah. of attitude that, again, your work runs through, like, from top to bottom, like, not looking only at pop culture, but the Kardashians specifically, like, yeah. as, like, a matriarchal unit or whatever. And then, obviously, yeah, people are not interested in hearing it, which is yeah Sad for them <laughs> you know what the only time that the one time that i'm thinking of that we that we did talk about how bill hooks analyzed pop culture i mean not the, i'm sure it happened more than but like in terms of headlines and real like like um notable discussion was when the media tried to pit her against beyonce and mm, there were so many headlines yes. remember yeah so they were like so bell hook says something provocative and analytical about what beyonce represents and then everyone's like pitting her against another black woman mm-hmm. people are calling yeah. her misogynist yes that's another different story for a different day <laughs> yes yes totally so i'm interested as like because when you mentioned kanye you said you were a fan and then you've just said that yeah, you don't really have like personal attachments. How do you kind of balance that relationship, like your own kind of like, to make sure you're not having this parasocial relationship with this family that you spend so much time in the world of? Totally. Wow, I'm loving these questions. Um, Kanye is still a challenge for me because I am a fan of his work. And okay. he's gone through a lot of incarnations in the past few years. And there was a time when he was really, you know, big MAGA mega hat wearing situation a lot of my friends really didn't want to talk about Kanye it was like upsetting that they were big fans they felt betrayed and um I kind of wanted to respect that and the fact is like my I, I feel that Kanye did facilitate the Kardashians you know explosive impact like he mm-hmm. facilitated that he did create Kim in a lot of ways so he's really relevant to my analysis but I kind of shifted the focus more onto the Kardashians and like left it alone for a few years And now people are, I mean, it's impossible not to like have him in these conversations and break it down, but I am a fan of Kanye's work as an artist. So sometimes it is a challenge. Um, Whereas the Kardashians, I really am neither a fan nor a hater. Like I really feel comfortable and confident with the neutrality that I, I kind of approach them with. In fact, that neutrality has become much more concrete in the past few years. I've, I, people are kind of becoming emotional about this Kim Kanye, you know, public divorce and how mm-hmm. it's shifted from entertainment factor, Balenciaga. That's basically it. It's entertaining Balenciaga discourse to something very personal. Like I'm getting more personal anecdotes, more stories about when my dad um, was having his breakdown or when my mom left my dad and this happened. Like I'm hearing a lot of mom, dad, yeah. like personal um 
I, I, I'm not feeling very emotional about it. And even my partner was like, where do you fall in this? How do you feel? Like, I just read this interesting thing by this guy. Like he was saying like, I, whatever. And I'm like, there's such concepts to me now. If I really am. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Push to think, oh, how? what is this like for Kim? I, I can't, like, I have to push myself there to, like, really even try to connect to the emotions of, like, what this might be like to be really in the situation, um, if it's real, which I, it's, it's feeling pretty real lately, but I never know mm-hmm. with them. So how do I regulate the parasocial relationship? I will basically regulate how often I bring in Kanye when I'm really confident that this is a really, like, concrete, neutral analysis. I'll do it. With the Kardashians, it's just not so hard for me to do because I'm in such a, like, a head heady place when I consume their content. I'm like only mm-hmm. in a heady place at this point. My sister put it this way when I introduced her to the show, like back in 2018, like she was like, I don't do, I maybe do the most thinking I ever do when I'm watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs> and I was like, that's a tweet. That's yeah, a, that's, that's, okay. that's when you got off Twitter for the right, first exactly, time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's so funny. When me and Ioni were talking about like this, podcast and, and speaking to you and the Kardashians generally because I, I feel like they've been the, on the you know public discourse a lot this week we were yeah. definitely thinking about it in a when we were talking about it in a Kanye's like this is a dad and like my dad and this dad and our dads yeah. and it was very oh now I'm like whoa like that was kind of parasocial or in a way because I, yes. I didn't think of it in like a neutral way when we were talking yeah. about it anyway well I think it's also totally. quite rare to see like a dad publicly kind of go off in this way in this day and age like for example like I'm trying to compare it to another like big divorce and like Brad and Angelina came to mind as one that was also messy Mm. but very behind closed doors like you never actually got Mm -hmm. an opinion that wasn't filtered through court documents they're not social media people though either are they right and I think a lot of celebrities are like that though like when it comes to relationship relationships whereas here we we are kind of like yeah let in to a certain extent that is super true um i think there was a strong sense that there was a lot bubbling with the brand and angelina but to your point halima 
it wasn't being played out on social media. So the medium is the message, as Mark Marshall McLuhan will say. Um, it's it's what really engages us and brings it into our like living rooms, you know. Because I feel like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's was bad, mm. and we and and I think there was a motivation and incentive to like read about it in tabloids, go to Daily Mail, like get the updates or whatever. But it still wasn't. No one was venting to us. On it was our like feeds. five degrees of separation, and also it was yeah. so yeah. wild that it was like, okay, he she put a poo in his bed. Yes. What do I do with that? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. true, <laughs> yeah. true. But this feels like a power struggle for the narrative because yeah. Kanye mm-hmm. even put it in those terms. Yeah, I'm interested in your like thoughts then on because it feels like from a um, like from someone who does engage with this, but yeah, not so critically, I suppose. Like that, the Julia Fox call her daddy interview was like a huge misstep in that kind <laughs> of way of controlling the narrative because, like, it was the Julia Fox call her daddy, and then it was the Kim Vogue cover, which then led Kanye mm-hmm. to react with the Instagram post of Kim and the kids, and that all seemed to happen in 24 hours. And the mm-hmm. Julia Fox call her daddy interview was like a power play of like well, Kim copied Kanye and I'm mm-hmm. here now. And then that just got completely shattered by Kanye's response to Vogue. <laughs> oh, good point. Oh, that's, yeah, the inconsistency of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of the, like, clusterfuck of, like, content that happened in two days, that feels very traditional, Kardashian-Kanye. Like, that would almost make me think, oh, yeah, like, it's still being coordinated. Even if it's getting right. ugly, somehow they're coordinating because that's like where they benefit. Um, I still need to watch a Call Her Daddy interview. I have to. I I am – I did so much like engagement with like the Julia Fox, Kanye, Balenciaga, Skims like thing that I kind of was like unplugged from the Julia Fox thing for a minute and I felt very confident like she's – she's got agency in the situation that she really understands. Like this is performance art to her probably. Like I felt like, okay, I got the Julia Fox thing clocked, but I do need to watch the interview where, yeah, she was saying like, it's fine. Maybe there's residual feelings, but like he's with me now. That's what matters like that. That's interesting. I still, just the clip I saw, I need to watch the whole thing. It felt like they were, it was still almost a performance a little bit. Like she was even Mm. playing the role as the rebound partner. And then we all wondered, is she going to be screwed over? Is she happy? Does she really like, it raises questions. They like to make us raise questions. I, I'm not confident enough to be like, oh, it's staged, but it it still has an impact that gets engages us. The Vogue cover. Yeah. Then he reacted to it that it is a because now everyone but the thing is we're all still talking everyone's like how does julia feel with seeing him say that you know it's drama i also think that the vogue cover so there you might be seeing like yeah a miss a misstep in the sequencing of julia saying what she said to call her daddy and then kanye reacting to the vogue cover Mm. i actually with that still feel that there there's still benefit from that in terms of cultivating some scandal Mm -hmm. what i do see as a misstep though is I think all week, what I started to notice, Kim's image was becoming more sympathetic mm-hmm. with how Kanye was acting all week. And Kim's had a lot of wins, baby bar, SNL, people are into this Pete mm-hmm. thing, now feeling bad for Kim all week. It's been – she was in a good place. And I think a lot of people – what I observed in my little sphere of the internet was a pretty collective disgust with the blackfishing and the Vogue cover. Yeah. I started TikTok on this. Oh, yeah. Yes. I – hated that cover so much yeah it was it was a misstep completely because i was even i didn't even like him yeah like, as a black person don't don't vibe with these people yeah but even i was feeling sympathy and i only loves them but and i was even talking i don't about, like, love them <laughs> <she does. laughs> i was even feeling some sort of sympathy and then like this cover reminded me exactly why i don't fuck with this family mm, exactly 
Exactly. No, it, it it's it I, as I said in the TikTok, it's not only offensive and insulting, it was stupid. Like I, mm-hmm. and and, Vo- and then there's other questions about why Vogue didn't do more for Andre Leon Talley and there wasn't time and exactly. I I just like put that in at the end cuz I ran out of time and I tried to was trying to keep it 60 seconds, but no, it, it was I'm curious how I mean they always come out of it. They always land on their feet and move forward, but it was not not the right thing. Yeah, I think... Uh, shame on Vogue. Mm-hmm. Black History Month. Shame on them. Yeah, uh-huh. but do, do we really think they care? <laughs> no, yeah. I know they don't, but like... Ugh. Like, did no, you sure. listen to... Um, Anna Wintour did like a really interesting podcast interview about... Oh, I don't even know. It was about like June 2020. It was around the George Floyd stuff or mm-hmm. after that when... I think it was then when Tyler Mitchell did the like Beyonce cover or something like that. Mm. And it was, no, it was the Kamala Harris cover. You know, the one that got Mm -hmm. all the shit for being bad. Yes. Um, Famously bad. She did a podcast (laughs) interview about it and it was before the backlash to it. And it was kind of meant to be this like big Vogue's embracing of black people moment or whatever. Yeah. And the podcaster was quite like tough on her in going for like, you know, you're doing this now, but like, where have you been kind of thing? Like, where has this representation been? You've been having like internal fights with like a lot of stuff that think you are racist, blah, blah, blah. She just sucks on all of it. Like, she's not good. Like, mm-hmm. she wasn't good at mediating that conversation or she wasn't good at like putting forward her point of view and she wasn't mm. good at being convincing that she was trying to change. Mm. And I think, you know, that moment of, yeah, Kim being the cover when there was so much like of outpouring of love for Andre Leon Talley, it kind of is just uh, indicative of Vogue as this dinosaur in a way. Mm-hmm. Like British Vogue mm-hmm. is trying to change that, but I don't think American Vogue even has intention of doing mm. it. Well, circling back to your earlier point about how like these con- these big institutions might be dying and they mm-hmm. might know it and they're kind of like clinging a little bit. Yeah, and I, it makes me think too, or this, this recent Vogue cover has made me think well, this is why I was really unwilling. I did a few interviews and I had great conversations with people and I was happy to see people using a shift they saw in how the Kardashians were presenting themselves, the BBL reductions, to have deeper conversations about the meaning of the BBLs, what the Kardashians like did, what their role in that was. But when people would say like, oh, so the BBL era is over, right? I, I couldn't speak to, I couldn't say yes. I don't mm-hmm. believe it. I didn't actually believe it would. And I couldn't, no. I wanted to have those convos, but I was more interested in the fact that they were happening than than co-signing. I was pretty sure Kim was going to continue to cling to black culture, black appropriation and aesthetics. And so I kept saying, we don't have enough data. Like, we'll see. This just <laughs> happened. Yes, they've minimized their BBLs, but like, I'm, I just can't predict that they're going to shift away from this. And so I think this cover does show us that they will continue to do it. And I'm wondering, like, the, the feed, they're hearing the feedback. Like, even the fact back in my Between Two Salads episode that we did with Natalie Franklin of Nori's Black Book, we kind of like came to a realization actually the night before prepping for the interview altogether, like, if they've been reading, and I don't believe they read actually a lot of people's content. I think mm-hmm. they read Nori's Black Book, though. I think they're entertained by it, and they, they're really fans. Natalie calls them out in a funny way regularly on Nori's Black Book for the cultural appropriation. So they're getting the feed. They can't pretend they're not getting the feedback. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're not reading like one person's tweets with a hashtag, but they're seeing it even in Natalie's content, and they are obviously willfully ignoring it. At what point would their attachment to fucking with the public? surprising us re-engaging us will they just apologize even if for that like when like it'll be such a shocking thing if they ever were to acknowledge it and Mm -hmm. people are you know like what is this power thing of withholding that and 
are they going to shatter that? They they ought to, but beyond the morality of it, it would be a a powerful thing, mm-hmm. and they just don't. And that just shows like how attached they are to this what this thing that they do. I was watching Hot La Mode yesterday, mm-hmm. and I heard something funny about um Kim and Skims. Oh. And because he was watching, like, uh, I think she did it with Net- Net-a-Porte. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, that's how you say and it. She was styling a bunch of Skims outfits. And apparently one of the reasons that she made Skims was because she couldn't find, like, like skin wear clothing that matched her shape. Mm-hmm. And she had, to, mm-hmm. <laughs> she had to dye a bunch of them to match her complexion. Yeah, I remember that. And I don't I know do why it made that. me giggle so much. Yeah, very yeah. weird. No, that's for sure. But I think as much as, like, I think the problem is with, I think they know what they're doing with this. Like, maybe not with the Vogue cover, because I think Kim would have felt protected by Vogue in a certain way from that. But, you know, when it's so blatant as, like, the cornrows and the this and the that, I think they do it on purpose. Like, do you Mm -hmm. remember, it was, like, six years ago now, but there was this period of time, like, just after cultural appropriation really came into, like, the mainstream discourse and lexicon and it was right at that moment and mark jacobs did a white dreads i remember this yeah Mm, like catwalk full of white dreads and Mm. obviously he got ripped to shreds but it's like he would have known like he did that on purpose and it gets to a point where Mm. you know they do it on purpose to feed that kind of like outrage and then redemption arc surely yes i do think they i think that as they and that's why i think there's big questions to be had now about it especially because when they were kind of climbing I felt that it would it was like a cheap outrage baiting mm-hmm. that they would do. And now I'm kind of like, why are you leaning on this? Like yeah. it's upsetting yeah. people and you have a lot of power. Like this is this is like something they've been doing a long time and it's like you know, a real redemption arc would be to be aware of where you are, how harmful it's been now, look back on that and like do something about it instead of continuing to it's like it's 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 really repetitive. And mm-hmm. um I think people were – that's also why it's like, this is a Vogue cover. You're still doing it. Like, we're tired, you know? And with Vogue, I mean, people are saying – some people in my comments are like, she Kim couldn't say no because it was Vogue and, and other people decide these things for the shoot. But it, she gets to Absolutely decide. Not. Yeah, she could even she say, I won't be on your co- – I mean, yeah. Kim has maybe more power than Vogue. It's yeah. over. Like, which is interesting that she used to want to be in with Vogue and then it mm-hmm. shifted now. Like, But, yeah, it's it's such a statement because it's Vogue and she didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we need to kind of think about wrapping up, but I'm interested in what you think the future of the family is. Oh, future of the family. I think we are in a truly chaotic moment. <laughs> um, I will say this, the, this, this, what we've had since the end of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, anticipating the Hulu show, whatever it's going to be, um, is, has been effective. Like, I was like, what are they going to do? No one, mm-hmm. like, so they did this whole drama about the show ending and everyone's like, oh my God, Keeping Up is ending. And then we find out like a few months later, there's going to be another show. Like, I was cynical because I was like, can they, can they really get us to care about a whole new thing? Right. Um, mm. This has been packed with like dense drama and mm-hmm. like really masterful media stories. Like, I, this thing with Kim and Kanye seems like it's getting real, but like mm-hmm. the whole Balenciaga and Mystique this Pete Davidson thing, this Julia Fox and Kanye thing, like it's all working. And I think they're creating really great hype for the show. So I think they're going to probably put a lot into that show once it starts again, but they've been doing really masterful tabloid media manipulation. And then 
big term, like big picture of future, it, it will, I try not to talk about the children as we know, but it will become intergenerational. Like everyone's going to want to know what's up with the Kardashian kids, you know, when the, when the time comes, I mean, people are already interested. I just don't want to engage with that too mm-hmm. much. So I think they've got it. I mean, it's going to be a dynasty for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think that Julia Fox is a dark horse because yeah, I don't know for sure, <laughs> but obviously I don't know for sure, just speculation, but I feel like she might be engaging all of these things like quite independently from Kanye mm. because I think she is like, I mean, if she's anything, she is a social climber and I don't see mm-hmm. that as derogatory as mm-hmm. a phrase mm-hmm. by any means. Like, you know, she's a, she's an it girl. She's like a socialite. That's her bread and butter. And I think yeah. she knows it's her moment and she could potentially go very off piece to like mm-hmm. whatever happens. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting because remember when she had her whole story dragging her baby daddy? Well, this is what I'm saying. She can go rogue at any point. But exactly. But I just mean like when I was watching the story and she was talking about like like how abusive he was and he was love bombing her. And she's very smart about like she knows when, when men are like being terrible human beings. Like she's very aware mm-hmm. of it. So I'm just I was I mean, probably, as you said, social climber vibes, whatever. But like, I don't know. I was just like, how are you not seeing yeah, but Uncle Her Daddy, she was saying mm. that basically she's gotten all of her friends on Kanye's payroll. Like, she has, like, five of her friends be her stylist. Her, her stylist is her friend. Her makeup wow. person is her friend. Her best friend is being paid to go to all these places with her. Like, they're basically all on, like, Kanye's payroll. And it's an opportunity for all of them. So, I like, guess. I think she would bypass, like, I don't know about the realness of the relationship, but I think she thinks she can gain more than she mm. can lose. With but it. I always think that, like, Kanye has such a history of, like, absolutely trashing the women that he dates. Like, yeah. he would yeah. slap up Amber Rose and, like, even, like, when he was with Kim, he'd, the way he'd slut shame her, like, if he's doing that to them, he'll do it to you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I do, I mean, I need to watch the interview, but my impressions really kind of are that she was almost cast in this role like he needed it was time for him to have like a lady at his side one that would kind of create a little controversy would like kind of complicate things with this kim narrative and i think he might have liked her back you know her background like she's Mm -hmm. she was a dominatrix there's a immediate connotation of strength to that Mm -hmm. she was kind of like a social climber in like the least derogatory sense of the word up it through the new york downtown scene which i didn't know everyone's like you've never heard of julia fox and you're a lesbian who's lived in new york city for (laughs) so long and i'm like what does that have to do with anything but i got a lot of comments like that um and so but so she's got that like new york like fashion grit you know um i think she knows what she's signing up for and i think she's like playing the part a little bit a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that, I don't know if she will end up better than she, like, entered it. But yeah. I think she intends to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same page. <laughs> we all agree. Okay. Well, let's wrap up. I wish we could talk literally all day because I could. But thank you so much, MJ. Come on again. Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun with you guys. This is a great sleepover club vibes. Like, let's oh, do it yeah. anytime. <laughs> I'm always down for it. Thank you, MJ. Thank you, MJ. We love you. That was the best ever. Can she just be a proper host now? Well, we need her and Eden on rotation. Definitely, 100%. We will see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please recommend it to a friend. 
leave a review follow the podcast and if you would like to partner with us or if you would like to answer our survey there are links in the episode descriptions and we'll give you kisses we will see you next week thank you Lima. thank you Ioni. thank you to Gina Gina Grace Charlotte Eden Hattie Carissa and Olivia for editing this episode we'll see you soon bye adios Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.